Again, welcome to the in-person worship and those who are outdoor and those who are online. Uh, we are one church together, honoring our Savior, honoring the Lord, coming together to worship Him. In this new season, as we begin this new church year, the Lord led me to uh, expound on Luke chapter 24. In that chapter, we took on a journey together with the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And today, we want to uh, preach on pursuing our renewal. But before that, I want to remind you that in the first message, we were beginning, uh, to, beginning in, the, in the series to confirm our faith together. And that message was that the hope of resurrection ushers us into the new season where all endings will be open-ended because the doctrine of resurrection is like the master key that opens every door. That's the hope and that's the beauty of the doctrine of resurrection to lay the foundation for the journey together. And the second message, we preached on taking our journey together last week. The message was very clear, that when you can't see the finish line, stay on the path and let Jesus walk with you. Because when you allow Jesus to walk with you, something wonderful is going to happen in your life. And today, we will journey together in pursuing our renewal. We need renewal in our lives. We need to renew our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ by drawing near to Him. And for that, we will turn to Luke chapter 24, verses 28 to 35. It's a short passage, but it's pivotal in the whole narrative of chapter 24 of Luke. Luke 24, verses 28 to 35. Let me read to you. It's a familiar passage, but it's worth listening again. And see yourself, see yourself in that passage. Luke 24, 28. So they drew near to the village <clears throat> to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. In that very short narrative here, there's a powerful message that God is telling us this morning. Can you turn that to the next? Thank you. By staying with us, when you want to renew with Jesus, you need to invite Jesus to stay with you. In verse 28, he says, Then they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. You see, finally, they have come home to Emmaus. But their crisis of faith was still unsettled. When you are unsettled, you need to bring a closure to that crisis of faith. You see, Jesus changed the meaning of coming home. It is not about returning to Emmaus or your hometown, but returning to God, your Creator. That's where home is. And that's when they will be settled. But they are not home yet. They are unsettled. And maybe you feel unsettled in your faith, in your walk with Jesus as well. 
They are unsettled because Jesus has expounded the Old Testament scriptures to them concerning the Messiah. And it made perfect sense to them. And their hearts were stirred up and they wanted more. They wanted more of Jesus to walk with them. Even though they didn't recognize him, he was just a stranger. But he made sense as he brought them through the Old Testament scriptures. You see, the crisis of faith needed a closure. They need to know if Jesus is truly the Messiah, according to the scriptures, as expounded by this stranger who is Jesus, and they were prevented from recognizing him to give them a process to journey together with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus acted as if he was going further. He was only pretending that he wanted to go further. He was waiting, actually, for for, for him to be invited by the two disciples. He said the last thing that Jesus wanted to do was to walk away. He really wanted to stay and walk with them and be with them, but he longed for the invitation. So he pretended, he acted as if waiting for their invitation. When you are unsettled, just like the two disciples, they were desperate to invite Jesus. And secondly, when you are desperate, to understand that desperation, look at two things. In verse 29, they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. Two things will give you indication of the desperation. First, their invitation. They urged him strongly. It means by force, as if they were twisting the arms of Jesus and say, stay with us, we need you. They desperately tried to prolong the journey. They wanted to spend more time with Jesus. But secondly, look at their, in, their reasoning. They said, it is evening and the day is far spent. Of course, that's what happened. It's coming to the evening. And it was perfectly making sense, literally. But you know what? I think it's also symbolic of their spiritual condition. They were exhausted and spent spiritually. Because they wrestle with this crisis of faith. His reason, he's not reason, his reason, he's not reason. I'm not sure. And it was at the end of the day, there's nothing else they can do but to wait. And in their desperation, they wanted Jesus to stay. And I thought, what if they never ask? What if? The Bible didn't say, but I was just like thinking, what if they never ask? Naturally, they would have suffered in sadness and dejection longer than necessary. But they ask. They ask. You know, maybe this is a season where you need to ask and not become so passive and let things just blow on its own. That you need to invite Jesus, stay, please, stay, I need you. And I want to walk with you. And Don Moen is a gospel songwriter. And one of the songs he composed, I Just Want to Be Where You Are, is one of my favorite. Oftentimes in my, in my devotion, I would like to sing that song. He says, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. 
I like that. I like that lyrics, especially that phrase. I don't want to worship from afar. I don't want to be a spectator. That's what he meant. I don't want to stand on the sideline. That's what he meant. I don't want to be disconnected, Jesus. I don't want to be in. I want to be in. That's what he meant when he says, I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I just want to be where you are in your dwelling place forever. Take me to the place where you are because I just want to be with you. And he continues to say, I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, and in your presence, that's where I always want to be. I just want to be, I just want to be with you. Invite Jesus to stay with you, stay with us, to be close, to be intimate. Now, Pastor Henry preached on the renewal, expounding on the experience of the Israelites worshiping the golden calf to the point where the Lord was ready to forsake them and raise Moses to form a new nation, a new race. And he was sent angels to go with them, but not himself. And Moses was pleading before the Lord, said, you can't forsake your people. You know, people will look at you and say, you are not a faithful God. Please go with us. Otherwise, we will refuse to go. There is no use going on our own without God. In Exodus 34, verses 89, he says, And Moses quickly bound his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. Meaning, stay with us. We need you. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin. And take us for your inheritance. We want to be your chosen people. Do not disown us. Lord, go with us. Stay with us. Go in the midst of us. Invite Jesus to stay with you walk with you intimately, closely, every day. And secondly, they invited Jesus to dine with them. Naturally, when you stay together as a very hospitable community in those years, they will eat together, dining together. In verse 30, when he was at table with them, meaning he was eating with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. God, stay with us. Jesus, dine with us. Meals. Meals were a time of solidarity and fellowship in the Jewish culture in those years. Jesus chose to stay and share a meal with his disciples because he wanted to renew their fellowship with them after all that they had been through. You know, this is not the Holy Communion that Jesus instituted on the night he was betrayed, though the language sounds very familiar, right? He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. But it was not a communion. It was just an ordinary meal 
a family meal together. Even though the disciples had invited Jesus into their home as their guest, but by the time when they sat down for dinner, Jesus was acting more like the host. He was taking charge. He was breaking the bread. He was passing the bread around. He was in charge. Remember early on in their journey, Jesus seems to defer to the disciples. He, he appeared to tag along, following the lead, engaging them in a way they feel comfortable because they were not ready. But when he took the bread in his own hands and blessed it and broke it and started to pass it around, there was no doubt who was in charge. And with this act, Jesus reclaimed his rightful place as their teacher, as their Messiah, as their risen Lord. And as they received the bread from his hand, they were also receiving him back into their lives as Lord and Savior. Because it was at that precise moment that their eyes were open and they were finally able to recognize Jesus for who he was. Have you seen that shift, that major shift in perspective? That it was a shift from the illusion that we are in control of our relationship with Jesus and our spiritual journey now to an absolute awareness that Jesus is the one guiding and controlling and sustaining our journey. Do you know that? Have you made that shift? Dining with us is what Jesus also desired and waiting to be invited. Waiting to be invited to stay. He's also waiting for us to invite him to dine with us. You remember Revelation 3.20 on the church of Laodicea, where Jesus said, I behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. You hear the invitation. Stay with us. I want to stay. To dine with us. I want to dine with you. I want to fellowship with you. And sometimes I wonder, when is Jesus closest to me? Have you ever asked that question? When is Jesus closer, closest to you? Uh, some people might say, well, in worship. We are all focusing on God, singing praises to Him. So in worship, I really felt closest to God. And others might say, well, in my devotion, when I read the Bible, when I meditate on Him, that's when I'm just, you know, gazed upon His glory and just focusing on His Word and just let the Word minister to me. I feel closer to God. And others might, might be saying, well, in prayer, because in prayer, I just go directly to God. There's no hindrance whatsoever. I'm in His presence in prayer. When are you closest to God? You know, my personal experience with God, with Jesus, I believe that when we come to Jesus with no agenda, no agenda, just to enjoy Him and spend time with Him, that's when He and I are closest. You know why? Because there's nothing to distract. 
there's no agenda to talk about, to negotiate, to present my case. Just be together. No agenda. At least to me personally, I felt closest to God when I do that. And he wants you to invite him to dine, to fellowship, to grow deeper. And finally, when you stay with him and when you dine with him naturally, you'll be renewed. You'll be renewed by him. Verses 31 to 35. And the process of renewal is three steps. First, with open eyes. When your eyes are open. Verse 31 says, And the eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. How, how, how did they recognize Jesus is the risen Lord? Maybe it was when Jesus prayed, how he prayed, reminded the disciples that, you know, before Jesus was, rest, was, was crucified, you know, that's how he prayed. Maybe it was in the breaking of the bread and the distribution of the, of the food. They remember he fed 5,000 and 4,000 and how he called the people to distribute the food. Maybe. But I think most likely it was when they saw his nail-pierced hands as he lifted up his hands to pray and to break the bread and to distribute the bread. They saw that sign. They saw that marks on his hands. And their eyes were open. They didn't open themselves because Luke said that their eyes were open, passive voice. Someone did that for them. And clearly it was God who revealed his son to the two disciples by his Holy Spirit. Remember in verse 16, chapter 24, verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And now, in verse 31, their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus. And their recognition of Jesus, of who he was, is the climax of the narrative. Now they knew that the man they hoped was the Messiah, who had to suffer and then experience glorification. And indeed, he is the risen Lord. He had indeed risen from the dead. You know, we don't always recognize our own needs, even as human beings. But when you recognize Jesus, everything makes sense. Everything. That He's the center of the universe. That He's the reason for our existence. That He's the purpose of this trip to Emmaus. Because he wants to walk with us. And Jesus disappeared, the verse says. You know, after his resurrection, Jesus could appear and disappear at will. That was what we have studied when you look at the resurrection narrative. And this is an attribute of his resurrection body. So Jesus vanished from their sight. Because these disciples have become witnesses of his resurrection that they have, they have embraced Jesus not on their side, on the road, but they have embraced Jesus into their hearts. And he left them to carry out their duty as his witnesses. So their eyes were open and they are ready to go. And secondly, on the path of renewal, it was with burning hearts. Verse 
32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? Their hearts were burning because of the power of the expounded scriptures. As Jesus said in John chapter 8, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the power of God's word. And after their minds are opened by God's word, their hearts begins to open to receive Jesus and to walk with Jesus. You see, God's word is like a mirror, the Bible says. It reveals the true condition of our heart. God's word is like a hammer. It breaks our stubbornness. That's why sometimes when you hear preaching, you feel like it's piercing into your heart. It breaks you. God's word is like a sword. It cuts through all your defenses, all your rationalizations and excuses. God's word is like a lamp. It points us in the right direction. God's word. With their eyes open and their hearts were burning, they were ready to go back to Jerusalem. I like the way Pastor John MacArthur said. He said, what is that burning? It is the burning of joy. And the joy is so overwhelming and so overpowering that they jump up from the table when Jesus disappeared and turn right around in the peach black into the night and headed back to Jerusalem to declare that he was alive and that it all makes sense. It all makes sense. So Jesus vanished from their sight but the impact of his presence on their hearts will remain and remain for a long, long time and remain forever, in fact. With open eyes and burning hearts, naturally, the next sequence will be with hurried feet. They were running. They were running back to Jerusalem. Verse 33, and they rose that same night, that same hour, instantly, immediately, they can't wait, and return to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, walking on the country road at night in those days would often invite attacks from robbers and thugs. But these disciples must be confident enough to know that Jesus was with them. And they proceeded to go back to Jerusalem. They were eager to return to tell the other disciples that Jesus had appeared to them to confirm the reality of His resurrection. Because not every disciple believed yet. They could not keep the good news to themselves. There were others back in Jerusalem that did not know it and needed to hear it. And when they returned, they discovered that the Lord has also appeared to Simon Peter. So in the beginning of the narrative in chapter 24, the two, the, the women and Peter had witnessed the empty tomb, remember? And now, these two disciples, and Peter, they bore witness to the resurrection clearly and confidently to move on in their journey of faith. And these two witnesses then proceeded to tell others about their experiences with Jesus and who He is. 
And that is the definition of witnessing. Just tell others what you have seen or heard or experienced about Jesus. That's witnessing. And you can do that, and I can do that too. It took hours for them to, came to, to come to Emmaus. But on the same night, they were able to reach Jerusalem. And you know that they must have walked with a quickened pace and a recharged energy, recharged stamina to go back to where they belong, back to the community and back to Jerusalem. You see, when you are renewed, two things are restored. First, there's a restoration of relationships. There is a restoration of relationship with Jesus. In verse 31, he says, He has made known to them. They know each other. There's a restoration of relationship when you are renewed and revived. Secondly, there's a restoration of their faith. Verse 34 says, The Lord has reason indeed. I am confident. I know it. Their faith are being rekindled. The Lord has reason indeed. You know, renewal comes when your eyes are open to the risen Lord. And your hearts are burning with the eternal Word of God. And you begin to run for Jesus. You begin to run for Jesus. Renewal comes when you invite Jesus to stay with you, to dine with you, and to revive you. And revival means become alive. That's a basic meaning of revival or renewal. Come alive. And in this new season, you need to come alive for Jesus. And I need to come alive for Jesus. So today, I just want to summarize it with this simple statement about the message today that Christ renews us by His abiding presence. Let's stay with us. His intimate fellowship. Let's dine with us. And His timely molding. Let's renew us. Christ renews us by His abiding presence, His intimate fellowship, and His timely molding. And church, I want to invite you on that journey together. I know it's easy to listen to a sermon and say, well, it's pretty good. Some good insights, good exposition here and there, and then that's it. You know, when preaching is being done, it's only half done until you respond to it. And I can't, I can't do that for you. You have to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. Because God's Word is like a hammer that breaks away all the defenses. It's like a sword that cuts all the excuses. It's like a light that points you to the way. And it's like a mirror that you can't hide anymore. Whatever you see in the mirror is the reality. That's who you are. That's how you look like. So in application, I want to really call you to draw near to Jesus. Draw near to Jesus. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, Peter Follow him at a distance, the Bible says, at a distance to the house of the high priest. When, when, when he was challenged of his identity as disciple of Jesus Christ, three times he denied. 
that he was a follower of Jesus. And on the third time, the rooster crowed, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered Jesus' warning that he would deny him three times, and Peter went out, the Bible says, and wept bitterly, bitterly. He was wailing like a child because it was so revealing of the darkness, of the vulnerability as we follow Jesus. It was hard. It was hard. Draw near to Jesus. Don't follow him at a distance. Don't worship him as a spectator. Come near. Come near to Jesus. See, Jesus longs to stay with us. He will never forsake us. But what contributes to the distance between us, I wonder? See, sometimes we feel like we are not close to God, that we feel distanced. Could it be awkwardness? We feel awkward, so we don't feel like drawing near to Jesus. What do you mean by that? You know, when do you feel awkward? You feel awkward when you don't get to have enough interactions together. And that person feels like a stranger. You feel awkward. Most of us feel awkward before strangers. It takes a while to warm up. Maybe our interaction with Jesus has been so infrequent, so infrequent that it is awkward when we restart our talk with Jesus. It's like talking to a stranger. You don't know where to begin. When do you know you are awkward? In my preaching class in the seminary, the preaching professor said, when you preach and when you're constantly aware, where, where should I put my hands? Should I put it this way or that way? That's when you are awkward. You are not natural. When you are natural, you are not even aware of the presence of your hands. You just, just go. And your whole body flows with the message naturally, or at least that's how you feel naturally. Do you feel awkward when you come to Jesus? Like, what should I say? Where do I put my hands? Is it okay? Is it proper? Could it be awkwardness? That your time spent with God, your prayer life, your devotion, your walk with Him is so sparse that you hardly know each other. So when you draw near, it's awkward. Are you awkward? Second, could it be fear that keeps that distance? Why, why, why fear? Because our sins have forced us to hide from God. Like Adam and Eve, who rebel against God, and when God make an appointment with them every evening and say, let's get together, they were hiding because they felt fearful before a holy God. Could it be that? is preventing you from drawing near to God. Or maybe thirdly, because of apathy, God is not important during this stage of my life. So, you know, God, I believe you, and when I need you, I'll call on you. Count on me, I'll do that. But when I don't need you, please don't bother me. Don't interfere my life. Don't tell me what to do. You, you walk your way, I walk my way. But whenever I need you, I'll come back to you. 
You know what is that called? That is called consultant. You hire a consultant. That when I pay, you come and consult. When you are not paid or not invited, stay away. I, I don't think that's called discipleship. I think discipleship means deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus all the way. Are you apathetic to Jesus in this stage of your life? When, when, when I get my payment done, when my mortgage is pretty much done, when I'm ready to retire, God, I will, but not now. Is that where you are? Awkwardness, fear, apathy. And number four, could it be familiarity? And especially for me who grew up in church and some of you who grew up in church and some of you who have been Christian for many, many, many years and even serve actively, that can be an issue. You know, the fear of being a preacher is that when I preach, I have no feelings. I don't preach with conviction. I don't believe in what I say. And I don't allow the message to speak with me, to speak to me first before I speak to the audience. I become a professional speaker, a public speaker, not a preacher of God's word. I become just professional. And that's many, many preachers' fear. And maybe for many of you who has walked with Jesus for many, many years, that overexposure, overexposure to Jesus, overexposure to the Bible knowledge, but there is no personal walk with Jesus. There's no experience with Him. There's no stretching of faith might have brought you to where you are because familiarity breeds contempt. Could it be that? That draws a distance between you and Jesus. You know, it's like the days of the camera. You should remember camera. Now we have digital, right? In the years of the camera, we have a Kodak, a film. You put a film in the camera and take, you know, shoot pictures. And, and when you take that film to be processed, you never expose it in sunlight. Remember? Uh, those who are my age, you remember. Because once you expose that film, that negative to sunlight, it's all gone. And whatever is developed out and printed out will be a blank page. And you thought you know it all. And you thought you have heard all the stories, all the sermons about the Bible, about Jesus, about God. And you thought that you even teach that yourself as a Bible teacher and that overexposure when it is exposed to the sunlight, it becomes a blank page. It's nothing there. That's what happened to familiarity. It seems to know it all, but it's blank. Nothing. It's a white page. You know what is a blank page in a, in a document? You just turn it over. In a document, you look for writings, you look for proposals, you look for contents, right? In a writing. But when that whole stack of paper is presented before you, when it's a blank page, you just turn it over for the next page where there are some writings there, some content. 
when it is familiarity, overexposure, usually it is a blank page. And I wonder, where do you struggle with? Maybe one area or maybe even two areas in this new season. And people, I really want to encourage you, you need to draw near to Jesus. You need to draw near to Jesus. You need to have more Jesus. Not just more projects and more strategic planning, but more Jesus. You see, Jesus was with the two disciples all the way on the road, in their conversations, in expounding the scriptures, and during the meal, Jesus was all along with them, never forsaken them. And how, how, they, how they see Jesus? First of all, they saw Jesus as a stranger because their eyes were pre prevented from recognizing Jesus. And then they saw him as a traveling companion. And then as a teacher, expounding on the scriptures, and their hearts were warmed. Then they were invited into the home as a guest. And who knows, when Jesus sat down and broke bread, he became a host. And finally, he became their Messiah and the resurrected Lord. Who is Jesus to you at this stage of your life, at this stage of your walk with Jesus? A stranger? You need to know him and open your hearts to him. As a companion, are you walking well with Jesus? As a teacher, do you submit to the teaching of God's word? As a guest, or oh, he should be the host, he should be your master the Messiah, the resurrected Lord. Come, come closer to Jesus. More Jesus and less you. That's what John the Baptist reminds us. He must increase, but I must decrease. Take the Emmaus Road, because the Emmaus Road is not a one-way traffic. If the Emmaus Road is a one-way traffic, I will not invite you to embark on that journey because Emmaus Road is going to end up with just vanity. But Emmaus Road, when you encounter Jesus, there will be a U-turn. When you walk on the road of Emmaus with Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, there will be a U-turn. And they returned to Jerusalem. They returned to the disciples. They returned to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Take that road and walk with Jesus. Invite Him to stay with you, to dine with you, and to revive you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this is our desire to have more Jesus and less ourselves. Draw us to you, Lord, in this new season before we get active and before we get busy uh, with all kinds of projects, Lord. We want to have more Jesus. And it is on that foundation that we are able to build a vibrant church of disciple makers together. Because we are drawn by Jesus. We are compelled by the love of Jesus to do your will and to honor others. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.